You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we're going to be talking about the rolling stones aftermath in the room i have rob you adam and sean aftermath is the fourth british and sixth american studio album by the rolling stones released on april 15th 1966 on decca records it was produced by andrew logue olin and the genre is rock and pop considered the artistic breakthrough album for the rolling stones it was the first to consist entirely of original Mick Jagger, Keith Richards compositions, while Brian Jones played a variety of instruments not usually associated with their music, including sitar, Appalachian dulcimer, marimbas, and Japanese koto, as well as guitar, harmonica, and keyboards, though much of the music is still rooted in Chicago electric blues. It was the first Rolling Stones album to be recorded entirely in the U.S. at RCA Studios in California, and their first album released in true stereo. It is also one of the earliest rock albums to eclipse the 50-minute mark and contains one of the earliest rock songs to pass the 10-minute mark going home. While inconsistent at time, the record is the first of the band's expanding songwriting skills, putting an immediate stop to the negative, unflattering remarks when compared to the Beatles and Bob Dylan of the time. Uh, The original British version of Aftermath was issued April 66 as a 14-track LP issued between the non-LP Uh, single releases of 19th Nervous Breakdown and Paint It Black, Aftermath was a major hit in the UK, spending eight weeks at number one on the UK album chart. The American version featured different cover art and a shorter running time that eliminated Out of Time, Take It or Leave It, What to Do, and Mother's Little Helper. All four songs were later issued in the US on other compilations, and Mother's Little Helper was also issued as a single in 1966 peaking at number eight on the Billboard charts. In their place, the album substituted the current number one hit, Paint It Black. The revamped Aftermath still reached number two in the U.S., eventually going platinum. What did we think of Aftermath? I loved it. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was great. It's got some tracks on there that I've always really liked, and uh, I love that it, it's they finally got to write in their own material and just kind of getting out from under that. Um, yeah, I under that of, thumb, <laughs> under that thumb. Is, oh my god! I had kind of dissed the earlier Stones for not. I mean, just kind of having. I felt like a subpar album uh, or debut, and this is really when they come in to their own, start writing their own stuff, and get creative. I would say in the studio. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, it it's baffling to me that Paint It Black and Nineteenth uh, Nervous Breakdown were not. On the UK release, that 
doesn't make any sense. And the fact they got rid of Mother's Little Helper when they did the American release I makes know, no like, fucking sense at all. Why are we cutting like, the like, most iconic songs? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't know. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's just like, you didn't know those songs were like You didn't have good. two ears? Yeah. <laughs> those are good songs. Because, I mean, yeah. there, there's, some, there's some shitty songs on this record. Like, you know, not not good Not that caliber. Stuff. No, yeah. exactly. The bar is high. But, I mean, imagine, like, had those songs been introduced and the rest of the stuff been put off, that this record would have absolutely just blown people's minds to bits. I mean, but still, we still get that today, though, where we get the singles. I mean, people release a single here and there. Usually it makes it onto the next album or something like that. But, I mean, I think this was the time where... You know, people have records, so they're still doing the 45s, and it's like... That's what they might have saved them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I, I think that's the thing that maybe we're omitting, is we keep thinking about the album as being the holy ground, and, you know, that's, like, the important place for a song. But it's like, you know, it's very possible when I hear those songs as being excluded, it's like, oh, maybe it's because they're saving them to be a single. But I don't know. It just... It's a weird thing to hear and to that you don't realize that also a, you gotta understand that the doing a single like that it probably made them more money i would say because someone didn't have to buy the entire album to hear the song yeah. so maybe you know it was who knows a, a good thing to have you know paint it black on as a single release because then they're selling all those copies you know teenagers or whoever everyone who's buying it they can put down the the money for that when they might have not have taken a risk on, you know, buying the, enti- the so, entire album. So Paint in Black was a single where I thought it was. Yes, I it thought- was in between uh, the single releases of 19th Nervous Breakdown and Paint in Black were in the UK. Okay, and how long did it take for the American release to come out? Uh, it was uh, 66. It was later that year. Okay, so. Yeah. All right, yeah, sure. I'll yeah, it's very strange though because I I'm always dissing you know record labels for like throwing different things in there, but I feel like the American they were like, oh, Paint It Black's a hit and it's an awesome song. Let's put it on the the U.S. version. But let's get rid of Mother's Little Helper. Yeah, that, that is <laughs> what that is kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean to me like uh, on the U.K. release, Mother's Little Helper, uh, Lady Jane. Out of time, and I am waiting. Are the like standout tracks, and the rest of it's just kind of like, okay, cool. You still like the blues? I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very proud of you. They always Good like job. the blues. Yeah. They're the Rolling Stones. Ugh. God damn it! <laughs> you can't be mad at the Rolling Stones. They're bigger than you. <laughs> you can't be mad at them. <laughs> Have you heard the Rolling Stones? They like the blues. <laughs> but I do think those the songs that were kind of shuffled around with you know different versions and being singles are like really stellar examples of like the dark rolling stones yeah. you know and like that tone that carried through like their albums thereafter you know like they really and that's the stuff that it. got me you know that's the stuff that got me on board when i like finally i discovered them kind of late and full metal jacket no just i think it was you know just hearing something on the radio and be like something like paint it black honestly and be like oh right okay they've got some creative stuff and that was sort of where my head was at was like the the blues stuff sounds good and and I think holds up really well and I see why it's stuff that people still listen to for a long time but I think they reached a lot of people who are looking for something beyond that through that kind of track yeah I remember hearing that as a kid on a there was a tv show called Nam or the Nam 
and Paint It Black was like the 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 credits the theme credit. song. Yeah, really? huh. it was the theme song, and my brother watched that. Um, God mm. bless him for letting me watch inappropriate material uh. when I was a kid. It's <laughs> good. Uh, uh, but I remember hearing that song, and then he also had the what was it? The not Hot Rocks, but there was another one that was like a greatest hits sort of thing, and it had. Mother's Little Helper, 19th Nervous Breakdown, Paint It Black, and all the, you know, like, all those songs um, combined, and yeah, there's just something very interesting about that song, and it it carried on, even when I was a kid, I was interested in it, and then once I was a teenager, I was like, it's like, you know, the Rebellion song, it feels very, like, dark, I mean, mean, like, what a simple, yeah, what a simple line that just translates really well, especially with that weird sort of, like, foreign sounding yeah. you know melody playing it's ominous you know it's, it's a really visual song yeah too. I mean, very like, cinematic yeah I felt the same way about, you know, Mother's Little Helper was always a classic for me. And Lady Jane, that sort of like very melodic, mm-hmm. it's like them going, you, you know, a lot of these, yeah, are blues songs, but Lady Jane shows this this different side of them. Kicking that uh, Kinks Broke uh, yeah. deal back into it. I guess the, uh, um, playing the thing. <laughs> Harpsichord, or, oh yeah, or the, just the, constantly in the uh, studios at this point. The very baroque yeah. uh, rock. Also, going home re- really remind me of like where it would go, and we'll get into this later, I'm sure. But sort of like where the doors, the end, kind of falls in under this sort of like dark rock. I would say they sort of like uh, stretch things out and and go in different directions. That's not, that you're not normally seeing. I thought it was surprising too to have such a long song and uh, on that and, and the length in general, fifty minute. Yeah, that's, Mark. They said so they had f- recorded like twenty one, I think, original songs for, for in a in a California. Wow, hmm. that's so funny. I, like I was doing yard work, listening to it and. Like it, I did not occur to me that there was a ten-minute song on there, or that there it was a long album. It's just funny when you're like doing something else and listening how it can totally characterize the and way like, you hear it. Towards the end of that ten minutes, it almost turned into like a suicide song at certain huh. points. It's just like some yeah. some yelping and <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. liked it. Going home. Mm-hmm. They walked down the aisle to a suicide song. This the wedding I was at on Saturday. <laughs> Man, I did Talking Heads. I thought I was cool. <laughs> yeah, they danced uh, the. The groom dances his mom to Talking Heads. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very nice wedding. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, man, what can you say about the Rolling Stones? We're going to have plenty more albums to talk about. This is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I feel like every... Uh, I, I don't know. What was the last one? I don't remember. What to do? Uh, that we that was oh, on this yeah. list? Sorry, mm-hmm. It was the debut. Okay. 
So I was here for that. That was it. Yeah. So they did not. The contrast is cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is such a departure from that, but they slowly transitioned from, you know, Out of Our Heads, which was the previous album, um, in in the second album. So, yeah. This is the Stones I, I love. Yeah. You know, like this is, if I was going to start the list in, you know, pick an album from the Stones, I might have picked Out of Their Heads, but definitely Aftermath. Mm-hmm. Aftermath is a must, um, in my opinion. Uh, you guys got anything else? Uh, I guess, Sean, what are your thoughts on the uh, lyrical content of Stupid Girl? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> No, it's fine. I mean, like, it's like we were saying with Under My Thumb, maybe before we were recording, but, like, it's whatever. <laughs> I need to just get over it. <laughs> I, I like the... No. Sarah's comment was, I preferred it when Garbage did it. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Yes. Trademark Sarah. Uh, <laughs> we talked about that. Her and I were listening, and we talked about that, and it's like, we, you know, we weren't sure exactly. Um, I, I thought that there was, like, a sort of, like, I was saying before we were recording that I thought they were kind of just doing a bad boy thing and it doesn't come off. I don't know. I might be totally projecting here, but it doesn't come off to me like as like automatically derogatory. It's, it's, it's odd listening to it in today's time when, you know, you just wouldn't write. You would, you would have to like really make sure that people understood that like, it is a satire or that and maybe that context was there and we just didn't know it but well one thing i'm always curious about this sort of thing yeah i agree i mean something that occurred to me is like when i was listening to it i tried to imagine if like a a girl group sang it and it was just like a caddy song yeah and like it kind of changed it for me where i was like you know maybe it's just like it's just mean for the sake of being mean but also like often people who are mean don't have a lot of power anyway you know like it didn't it didn't scare me i don't know yeah but yeah that's interesting i, I think there are a lot of ways you could you could uh, twist that song to make it more or less palatable cuz i think both this song and under my thumb i think we're supposed to assume at least from the narrator's perspective that's like i'm talking about a shitty person here and like it might it to me it's like when you listen to the lyrics it's like both characters are being sort of ridiculed for being kind of no good. And mm-hmm. like, and I, I, you know, there's a part of the listener that has to say, well, I believe the narrator because that's who I'm choosing to listen to. And, and they are talking about this crappy person. <laughs> and like, and so I always wonder for me, it's like, I'm not saying that's what I think it's about. I don't know. But I, I always wonder stuff like that where it's like, is it a trustworthy narrator? Uh, how bad is the person they're singing about? Like, it doesn't, I just don't automatically assume that, like, that they're just, like, um, you know, like, if that's, like, an anti-feminist song. But then again, the Rolling Stones were probably terrible to women. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I don't read about it, really, but I'm sure they were awful to women. So it's, like, that w- and ever the twain shall meet. I, I don't know. Yeah, in a 71 interview, Rolling Stones... Uh, you know, R- Richard says it was a spinoff of our environment for Stupid Girl. Hotels, too many dumb chicks, not all dumb by any means, but that's how one got when you're crammed up. Half the time it's impossible to go out because these girls would try and talk to you and tell you everything and, you know, get with you or or whatever. So, but un- Under My Thumb is obviously sort of a, they said it's a kind of a parody 
of someone who is always like berating them, but then uh, flipping it on, you know, because men never have the dominant upper hand, right, guys? <laughs> uh, but then flipping it and in, in writing uh, about that. It's like when Joe Strummer won that white riot so bad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Stones, men's rights activists. Got it. Yeah. Um, uh, cool. Love those guys. Oh, those guys are cool guys. So was Brian Jones being especially terrible at this point in time? Uh, like, uh, had he gone full fucking like you're the worst human on the planet? I yet? don't think so. No. He's got. I can't got, wait. Got three years left. Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting to hear that kind of, um, you know, just with our modern ears hearing those those kind of songs or whatever if a band came out with a song right now that's what I try to think called, about like, it stupid girl yeah it's like women are you're, dumb you're yeah. such a well I think girl. if a song was gonna be written that was that open to misinterpretation it would be like from the perspective of a guy trying to reassure, reassure like his friend like she's not worth it you know like it wouldn't be as direct the context but yeah, yeah I think that there are still lots of Oh, yeah. Songs like, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of, like, weird backlash against, like... Macklemore with his uh, <laughs> his gay rights song. Yeah, that. Well, and I think about, you know, like, a lot of, like, pop punk recently has, like, people have realized it's very sexist in general, you know? But, like, it no. takes... No. <laughs> <Right>? Not pop punk. <laughs> I love pop punk. No, I mean, it, it takes us a while to, like, digest the messaging in music, I think, you know? And that was probably kind of similar. Like, they were just like, yeah, what, you can talk about women that way, that's fine, you know? At the time, it didn't really shock anyone. That's what, that's what I always go back to that weirds me out is it's like, well, like, my main thought is why was this okay then? Yeah. You know, that's what I'm trying to think about. And, and so my brain goes to, like, there must be a context that I'm missing. But the answer could very well just be because it was terrible for women then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just started like, watching Mad Men. And, and like, that, then that didn't bother them. <laughs> yeah. Everything is done, like, at the expense of women in Mad Men. And I oh. think that's a pretty good... You know, Indicator. snapshot of of the time, so wow. it's just kind of normal. Yeah, and the, I think, and it's the idea that like that song could pass because that was the least of their concerns. Mm-hmm. I think that was maybe that's all I can come up with from a, a darker perspective. On I mean, it. it was okay to be super racist. Yeah, like, she should be made to smell the glove. <laughs> I think I think we can leave it with that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we really solved it tonight. Yep. <laughs> We're so woke. Oh, yeah. All right. So uh, for the next part, we've been doing how do we, uh, you feel personally about the album, positive, neutral, or negative. I'm going to definitely be on the positive for this album. I mean, it's a great album by the Stones. Classic tracks, whether it's the UK or the American version. I mean, I think it's it shows definitely the, the start of uh, when, they're, when they start getting very good. Yeah, and I, I I put it put it in the positive. Um, I it, it's a it's a very good record, and there's a lot of really really cool shit that they were doing. It could have been a great record had they 
put all those put, tracks put, put it together all in and, yeah, ju- and just for sure swiped a couple of the throwaways out. I mean, it, there, there's a very, very great record in there. But no, I mean, this compared to that fucking first Stones release, yeah. like, good God, this is <laughs> night and day for, for good. And they were so fucking young. They were yeah, so young I mean, and making they such were, cool music. They were rushed already. in those other albums to their, you know, if, if you want to say anything. I mean, this definitely was a little bit more time in the studio, so. I know, but they, they were 24. Yeah. I mean, good yeah, God. Like, ugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Po- positive for me, and yeah, thinking about the age has an interesting context. Is just like thinking how busy and then like writing all these songs and then cutting it down. And, you know, it's just, it's a lot. And also like juggling all the partying and the girls and fame <laughs> and all that crazy. Like it honestly, it's amazing when you think about what they were able to achieve uh, yeah. so early fourth album by 24, you know, yeah. no joke. Yeah. Even though this record is for men. It's <laughs> <Just for laughs> balance just for you. Sean. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a lady who loves dark rock and roll magic and that's what it is. And I love it. No. I agree. I agree with your point about there being some throwaway tracks, but you know, I mean, even their throwaway tracks are better than a lot of, you know, it's better than that one birds record. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Positive. For sure. Aftermath. Just for men. <laughs> Aftermath does kind of sound like a Gillette razor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, next time we'll be talking about Simon and Garfunkel, Parsley Sage, Rosemary, and Time. My sweet Lady Jane, when I see you again, your servant of I, and will humbly remain. Just heed this plea, my love. Bended knees, my love I pledge myself to Lady Jane